LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel Center ministry every week. Every single week. It's coming up to Valentine's Day, Scott. What are you getting me? What are you getting, Jack? Oh, Jacqueline. Yes, uh, I can't. Yeah, we don't do Valentine's Day, actually. We don't either. I think I'm going to be away. Actually, I'm going to be away. Ah, you old romantic. You old romantic. Yeah, that's good. All right, what have we got today? Well, the one thing is brought to you, as always, with thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. And we're also proudly part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Check out the network page on iTunes to see a whole bunch of quality Christian podcasts that are available. But for now, you've pressed play on episode number 44 of The One Thing, Finances 101. Uh, There was some research done a few years ago that one of the biggest defeater beliefs um, for people who don't know Jesus about the church is money. Uh, That is a perception that the church is a money-making scheme, uh, that the church's primary concern is fleecing people of their money, and in particular, it's out to fleece me of my money. Um, And which is what makes this discussion we're going to have today all the more important uh, because you don't address the problem by ignoring it. We want to be proactively wise stewards of the resources God's given us uh, and given his church, uh, not just so that we can use them well, uh, but so that we can use them well for gospel ministry. That's right. Jesus spoke a lot about money and his words were that we needed to master it and not let it master us. And Paul told Titus that leaders are not to be greedy for money. But of more particularity to this discussion, leaders are meant to manage what they have well. They're meant to be stewards. And it starts in your own household. It also extends to to the church as as God's family. And that's what we're talking about today, uh, stewarding our church finances well. And to do that, we've got uh, Ed Johnson. Uh, Welcome, Ed. Thank you very much. Now, let me tell you really briefly about Ed. Ed goes to church at NBM Rudy Hill, where he's been the treasurer for a number of years. Yes. And he also is the founder of Extia. Yes. Tell us very briefly who Exteo is. Exteo, we are a bookkeeping service. We help uh, specialising in churches, help churches get things under control, payroll, bookkeeping, finances. Exteo.com. Yeah, au. au. Excellent. Uh, Ed, it's so good to have you on and you've got loads of experiences in this area. Can you tell us what, what are some of the biggest issues you see in churches in regards to finances? I think probably the biggest uh, thing that comes up, uh, like any part of church ministry, is linking the finances to the vision of the church. So when the finances kind of get left to the side, uh, they just kind of dwindle along. They don't really provide any value. uh, They don't provide the value they should to the ministry team, to the congregation, uh, to the church leaders. That's probably the the biggest issue. Um, Flowing from that, uh, we'll have situations where the people who are responsible for the finances may have been sort of lumped with a responsibility and perhaps not given the support, not given the training um, to do that job. Um, the other thing where things can go wrong is uh, just simple things like systems and processes, having solid uh, software, solid processes in place to keep things accountable, to keep things moving along. So that's people not getting paid on time, that's people getting paid too much, too little? Yeah, that's right. Things, payroll's off, you know, payroll's a very immediate one. Um, you know, if payroll goes, goes wrong, you know about it very quickly. Uh, but longer term can actually be worse is where there's uh, inadequate funds being managed and held aside mm. for the liabilities of a church. And you may not realise that for a year or two 
and that's that's when it becomes quite dangerous. So can you give some worst case scenarios there? Obviously, don't use any names, um, but what are some worst case scenarios that you've seen? Oh, look, not necessarily that I've seen, but I'm certainly aware of the pressure that this can cause. The, the worst case scenario, apart from something you know illegal like fraud or theft, uh, the worst case scenario is, is really when a church is not keeping track of its liabilities. So they're relying heavily on what's actually in the bank account, uh, when that could be a very poor indicator of the money that they actually need to be keeping aside for things like uh, ministers' expense accounts, missions that has been saved up, um, even church savings building projects. If the money's sitting there, the temptation is to use it, very much like our household budget. Um, but if we use money that's set aside for something else, uh, when that's needed and it's not there, uh, that can be range from being, uh, you know, disturbing to being quite a quite a crisis. And 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 illegal, as you say, uh, a contravention of the corporation's law and. Yes, that, that, that's somewhere we don't want to go as a, as a church, definitely. So where, as you've worked with churches and church leaders, where are you seeing these issues stem from? Is it um, lack of understanding of it? Is it busyness? What, what do you see? Yeah, I think um, there can be... Uh, so church bookkeeping can just be sort of lumped into one, one role. Um, but it's what I call a dangerous assumption. So we as, as leaders looking for someone to help in ministry... Uh, can make the assumption that if someone's a whiz at one aspect of church finances, that they're going to be a whiz at all aspects of church finances. And so we can we can have poor treasurers, you know, their whole life just gets kind of affected by this new role they've taken on and they can uh, burn out, get frustrated. Um, instead of, you know, coming to church and experiencing fellowship, they're, they're coming to church and, and dealing with financial questions. It can be quite overwhelming. Um, so I think part of it is really understanding there's a variety of functions within the finance ministry and identifying that different people with different skills can help out in different ways. It doesn't have to all fall on one person. Hmm. Mm. Yep, yep, that's good. All right, let's just pause for one second uh, on this discussion, see what resources uh, might uh, be helpful. Now, Ed, we're actually, um, the first, I'm going to throw out the first one, if that's all right. Sorry to well, it is my toolbox. It is your toolbox. I'll give you the first one. I'm going to throw a little tool into your toolbox here. Uh, we're doing a course um, with uh, you, Ed, and a number of others to help churches think through church finance. I think it's called Money Matters Money for matters. Church. Um, yeah. So I've um, yeah, we've been working on that together. It looks like an excellent course. That will be available in Church in a Box uh, very soon. I can't recommend highly enough uh, Exdia. Uh, Ed, uh, Ed is, a, is a great person to get in contact with if if you've got any of these sorts of questions, it's worthwhile, I think, often for a church to engage an external third party. As Ed's already said, you might not have people with this uh, skill set in your church. So it's always good to engage uh, engage someone like Ed to come in, do a bit of a health check, uh, see what resources you might need, and also ask him to provide a quote on you know what ongoing services might look like. You can have anything from you know coming in, doing that health check, and then setting up and training someone in your church to... Uh, do the ongoing work, or you can have um, XD actually provide those services. There, there are a number of really good um, providers out there: Ben Corp, XDR, uh, Ben Let's um, Accounting as well. Um, so we'll we'll put links to each of those services as well. Um, the the final um, yeah the final one I guess is um, uh, is not a resource but just a reminder. I think I think Ed's really tellingly said this. You know this role is often a really a really thankless you know task. So can I encourage pastors out there? You know. Um, 
you, you must have resources. Well, you must have people in your church who, who do this. You, you as a pastor should not be looking after finances and managing it. It's a control issue. Um, you want to be doing the ministry of the word. So actually love those people. Um, you know, serve them by uh, encouraging them, serve them by reading the Bible with them, uh, serve them by you know, thanking them and reminding them of uh, you know, the great stuff they do for you. I want to throw one more tool into your okay. toolbox. I'm allowed to do that. Um, I'll put a list of these on the website um, as well. But uh, I want to say, actually, and Ed mentioned this at the start, it is connected to vision. This is connected to gospel ministry. So as people who lead churches, uh, we need to know how to understand and talk about finance from a gospel perspective. Um, so we need to know how we uh, do stewardship. Uh, and so I'm going to put a whole bunch of... Uh, we need to be confident about that as well. Uh, we are not greedy for money, but we want... God's people to engage with all they have in God's mission for eternal purposes. So I'll put a whole bunch of books on there. Anyway, okay, back to Ed. Uh, all right, here's a question that fits well, a 21st way of, of, of thinking, uh, that kind of consumer. Why not just a church pay someone to manage this? Uh, I know you're doing yourself out of business by answering uh, the way I phrase it, but why not just pay someone? Why don't churches just do that? Yeah, often it could be a philosophical reason or a you know a, a view of ministry that this particular role should stay within the congregation um, probably more often than not uh, churches are worried about the cost of outsourcing something um, I kind of look at it as a professional service similar to if you know if if the toilet's leaking at church you would call a plumber to come and fix it mm. um, there's skills that the plumber has uh, qualifications Similar in the finance, there's some aspects of finance that are very routine. There's others that do uh, benefit from training and qualifications and those particular aspects it can be helpful uh, to pay a service or to find someone in your congregation who's professionally qualified. Hmm. Yep. So what roles, are, now you in the course in fact you, you talk about this and break it up a little bit, but uh, what are the roles that people within the church can play, uh, how we articulate it to them, how we give them manageable bite-size serving. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's a lot of data entry in the finance section. So if, if you have a team uh, or, or volunteers who um, have experience in just general office work, you know, students, that can be a really good, um, someone with, a, with an eye to detail who likes using computers. Um, that, that's, that can be quite a bulk of the work, actually getting the data into the system. Um, then there's uh, more complex work, which I just call compliance work, which is where you're interacting with the ATO. So that could be with payroll things, with um, superannuation, um, you know, your GST and your BAS. That does require some training and experience. So if you've got someone in your, in your congregation who's, you know, experienced bookkeeper or an accountant who's got the time to help out with that, that can really certainly help. Um, then there's sort of system type roles. So someone who is good with IT can think through the accounting software that you might want to use, how it's going to integrate with other computer systems, CRM systems that your church is using. That's another set of skills that someone can use. Um, and then there's just management skills. So thinking about the whole role of bookkeeping within the church, how the information is getting out from that function to the people that need to get the information and, and thinking to the future uh, how can we develop this function within the church? So again, someone who's good at project management, someone who's big picture, um, can contribute in that way as well. Hmm. Good. So a, f a final question: if, if you actually don't know what you're doing, how do you know what questions to ask? So, so what are the what are the key questions a church should be asking? 
I think a budget's all about people. It's about numbers, but it's at the end of the day, it's about people. So there's, there's four kind of qu- sort of questions that will help analyse, I think, if the budget's working for you. One is, is it serving the vision? Is it is it connected to the vision? Um, the second the second area is is it is it helping our finance team? So, are the are the finance people looking at the numbers and they they're happy? They can see what what's happening and how things are going. Um, thirdly, is it providing any insight to our ministry leaders? So our ministry our ministry leaders getting information from the finance function and being able to make wise decisions about their mm. areas of responsibility. Um, finally, is it engaging our church family? So is the information coming out of that function um, encouraging people to be involved more deeply in giving and, and being generous? So if those four things are all happening, that's good. If any of, any of those are kind of missing, uh, it can be time to look at the systems, the processes, the people involved and, and take a look at, at how we can improve that. Mm. Yep, that's good. Uh, any particular tools you would recommend in this? Uh, look... The, the software companies spend millions and millions of dollars developing software like Xero, MYOB, QuickBooks. You really you can't go past um, just a basic accounting software as, as a starting place. Mm. Um, they save hours and hours and hours of time. Um, and then, of course, Excel. We all like using Excel. It's just for little um, sub-projects and keeping, keeping track of things. But really... Um, you, what you want is something where you can enter a budget and then accurately report against that budget. So all your big name softwares will, will have that functionality. So I'd start there. Mm, that's good. All right, that brings us to the end of the show. Ed, what is the one thing that people should be taking away when they think about finances in their church? The one thing I'd encourage is that a budget is about vision and it's about people. And so start asking the questions of how your budget is connecting to the vision and connecting to the people that we're serving. Hmm. Great. Well, thanks, Ed. It's been uh, great to have you join us. Now, The One Thing is a proud member of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. If you're looking to add another podcast to your spiritual input, uh, add another podcast to your list, Making Disciples. Can I encourage you to check it out with Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain. We're actually going to be uh, interviewing him in the next few weeks, so look out for that episode uh, in a few weeks' time. Uh, excellent bunch of resources on actually how do you actually make disciples in your church just a heads up as well if you are keen for some great ministry input we've got our reach australia conference coming up this is a a a new conference that embraces multiply and team pastoring and vine growers and oilstone and it's going to be amazing june 25 to 28 at ev church and the central coast aussie bible teachers network of pastors to collaborate and to uh, connect with and to sharpen you um, uh, workshops it's going to be excellent reachaustralia.com.au well thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing coming up here on our next episode we've got Derek more yes we of, do more of Derek more of Derek can there possibly on, be enough on the topic of creating space for failure yep that's great I'm Scott Sanders I'm Derek Hanna chat soon mm-hmm.